working. That's working. Good morning. Um, I'm Andy, one of the leaders here. It's a privilege to be uh, speaking this morning and with good friends Graham and Helen. This is a bit of a three-way act this morning, so um, enjoy the ride. Um, now, um, we're in the middle of a series. Well, we're just coming to the end of a series on prayer. Um, some of you will be aware of that. Uh, we've been focusing on prayer again, and we'll continue to focus on prayer because, you know, we, as, as elders, we looked back a year or two ago and felt we had been... There was a whole bunch of stuff God had been saying to us and leading us about prayer and the supernatural, and we just felt we hadn't adequately responded. So we're really just looking at prayer from a whole number of different ways, trying to get um, that much more into our culture as a church. So this is number four of four of a little series we've been doing. Who can tell me what the first three were? It's a bit of a test question. See if anyone listens, you know. It's going to be rather depressing for those of us that preach, but... Uh. So, what? Learning so, from different cultures. Learning from different cultures with Sanjay and a great team. Wonderful. Um, who found that helpful, learning from different cultures? Yeah. I, listened to, I wasn't here. I listened to it on um, the website. Brilliant. Just some great, just great to learn from other places, isn't it? Um, has anyone got a particular testimony of learning from another culture that, that has um, changed the way they pray? It's getting a bit more specific now, isn't it? <laughs> some people put their hands up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good start, isn't it? For us Brits, putting our hands up is a good start. Yeah, that's actually true. That's true. Okay, what else did we do? Um, what other sessions did we have? Blank looks. How praying and action works. Yeah, yeah. They go together. They well. go together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Dan, for man a few words. Yeah, yeah. Lynn. Steve's talk because he said to approach the Bible without skepticism and then start praying about it. Yes. That's not quite what he said, but that's what yeah, I Yeah, it's one of the things he said, yeah. Uh, and, and can anyone remember further back to the beginning of the series that where, we, where there was another talk? Just Steve, Steve again as it happens. <laughs> Pardon? Praying for growth. Yeah, and anything else? Green shoots, yeah. Steve spoke about some of the green shoots by which we meant some of the stuff God is doing amongst us. And both gives us cause to thank God for answers to prayers, but also provokes us to to pray on. So that's that's what we've done so far in this series. And today, Graham and Helen and I have the privilege of just looking at how we pray together uh, as a church. And I'm starting, and I'm going to talk a little bit about just some of the dynamics of how we pray together. I mean, normally a talk would start with the kind of more, slightly more abstract and principled and then end up with some practical application. We're doing it the other way around today for various reasons, as I hope will become clear as we go on. So I'm starting with some practicalities of praying. And we're going to start by reading 1 Corinthians 14, 26. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. This passage is written to the church in Corinth, and is they have some pretty disorderly worship times, and the, Paul is writing to try and encourage them in what it means to follow the Holy Spirit as they meet and gather and worship and pray. And that's all kind of mixed up. We might think of worship services and prayer services and Bible teachings. It's just kind of it's just all there in their gatherings. So what then, this is from the ESV, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. That's building up the body, building up each other. Uh, If anyone speak in a tongue, 
Let there be one or two, or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there's no one in to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. Side note, that actually sounds quite disorderly to me. Someone's speaking and someone else is free to interrupt. That's interesting. So order's not quite what we see as order in our British culture. Um, for you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to prophets. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. There's a description here of a time of gathered, Holy Spirit-led prayer and worship in the church there. And we'll come back to some of those things. When I was younger, I used to have a love-hate relationship with corporate prayer meetings when I was sort of in my 20s. Um, I was and am absolutely convinced of the value of prayer. It's very clear to me that God intended Christians to be a community together. It's not just a me and Jesus thing. And prayer together is a really important thing. In the early church, in the story of Acts, we see some very significant breakthroughs when they gathered to pray. The book of Acts is punctuated with phrases like, they were all together in one place, and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it usually goes on to, and the word of God spread. There's this connection between prayer and the Holy Spirit filling and the word of God spreading. Very, the book of Acts is punctuated by those things. So I'm convinced of the value of corporate prayer. But I am, and was then, an introvert. And I struggle with the dynamics of prayer meetings. I didn't really want to say anything in the first place. And when I did want to say something, by the time I processed my thoughts and got my words in the order I wanted to say them, the moment had passed. I'd feel a stirring from the Spirit to say something, and someone else would say it and steal my thunder. I was thoroughly confused, so I had this kind of love-hate relationship with prayer meetings. So these are, some, these are seven very brief, I've got seven minutes left, these are very seven one-minute lessons I've learned over the years about corporate prayer, largely by praying with most of you. So this is nothing, this is, nothing, this is coming from you, this is corporate wisdom really. Firstly, um, praying together, participate Scripture says, every, when you come together, everyone has something. Everyone's got something to bring. And it must be done for the common good so that the church must be built up. So simply, as we participate, come with a mindset of, I'm a contributor, not a spectator. That's the first thing. However young I am in the faith, God wants to use me. Everyone has something. That's what the Scripture says. And it's to bless others. It's for the common good. As we come to, whether it's worship or prayer meetings, let's come with that mindset of participation, church. Secondly, listen. Listen to each other. I think a great metaphor for corporate prayer is having a conversation together with God. It's just, I think it's good. it has a number of things we can, like a, like a great conversation flows and kind of meanders and but there's a sense of conversation. I think it's just the same with a time of prayer with God. Every conversation is different. And we don't always know where the conversation is going to end up when we start. But that's, I think it's a good metaphor for prayer. Now, my family would tease me for my conversational skills. There's a, yeah, surely not. There's a particular incident that is, it's a bit of, become a bit of folklore in my family by the name of Grout. Um, I was, we were sitting around the dining room table. They were having a conversation. I say they because I, I was in another world <laughs> thinking about grouting the bathroom. 
And I can't quite remember how it all went, but at a certain point, I got teased mercilessly and continue to do so for this day for just being entirely in my own little world and out of the conversation. It's, 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 it's entirely fair, and I was, and yeah, there we are. That's family um, nurture for you, isn't it? Um, um, but the, the point I say that is, let, like a good conversation flows when we're all engaged with it, let's come to prayer that way. If we all come to prayer, corporate prayer, with all our own little thoughts going on, maybe I'm praying about this and Dan's praying about that and Steve's praying about this, it's like we're not having a conversation with God. We're just have, we're all having our private prayer times in the same room. That's, there's something, in my view, in terms of corporate prayer, gathered prayer, that's slightly remiss there. It's like my grout moment. I wasn't in the conversation. And we make room for others. Those of us that like praying very long prayers need to learn to pray a little bit shorter so that we make room for other people. So that we all get, we all get a part in this conversation. There's, in a natural conversation, there's one, one person I know that, that um, I won't name, but is, whenever we get into a conversation with this person, it just takes all the atmosphere. It's not about prayer. It's just he just talks for too much. And this person needs to learn to just to dial back a little bit so other people can, we can have a conversation rather than a monologue. Um, and I think it's just the same with prayer. And as, let's encourage each other. There was a bit going on this morning, wasn't there? People saying, yes, and amen. And that's all part of encouraging each other in a conversation with God. So listen to each other. Have a conversation together. Thirdly, let's get going. Let's not be too British. Hey. Um, in a previous talk, uh, Steve mentioned uh, Smith, Smith Wigglesworth. Who remembers the Smith Wigglesworth story? Yeah, yeah, Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth was an evangelist and pioneer of the Pentecostal movement who was around from the mid-1800s to the mid-1900s. And one of his famous quotes, he said, if the Spirit doesn't stir me, I stir the spirit. There's something about coming, not with a kind of passivity and a weariness and a, well, if God really gives me something, I'll, I'll contribute. But stirring yourself up. Stir, the Holy Spirit lives in our spirits, and there's something we can do to sp- stir the spirit. Paul said to uh, Timothy, uh, fan into flame the gifts of God. There's something proactive we're supposed to do when God, when the Holy Spirit's in us. How do we do that? Uh, I think for me, worship, praise, thanksgiving, adoration is all part of stirring my spirit to be in a place of prayer. We'll talk about that in the next point. Coming um, with expectancy is a big thing. Coming with the right mindset. I'm going to, you know, looking forward to prayer meetings, having prayed beforehand rather than just turning up and seeing what happens. Do whatever you need to do to stir the spirit. Well, as we're starting to pray, I find sitting in my chair a little bit sleepy is not the greatest posture. So some of it's physical. Some people like to prostrate themselves on the floor as a way of saying, God, I surrender. I like to just wander around a bit. Different things. Do something physical if necessary to stir your spirit. So let's get going as we come into the place of prayer. Fourthly, worship. Worship is a big deal for me in in corporate prayer. Worship, there's a quote here from a good friend of ours, Ron McLean, who leads a church in Canada. He's He's one of the most prayerful men I know. He says, worship gets our eyes off ourselves. Our situation and other, and other, something's wrong there, and onto God. It postures us to receive revelation by putting ourselves in God's presence and getting things into God's perspective. Worship postures us, gives us God's perspective. We sing about the lion and the lamb, and we go, God, you are in charge. You're tender and you're powerful, and that 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 informs the way we pray, doesn't it? We're not coming with our shopping list of things that affect us first. We're coming with that. God's perspective. So worship gets us into God's perspective. 
Uh, worship get, forces us to, well, for, helps us start with God. Mike Bickle, who's a, who leads a big house prayer ministry in, in America, says, says of the apostolic prayers, the prayers the apostles prayed in the New Testament, most of them start with God. You know, God and his power and his majesty and his awesome plan. And we start there, and then our prayers play into that. We don't start small. We start big in our praying by focusing on God through worship. Fifthly, prophesy. The Holy Spirit wants to help us pray. He wants to show us God's agenda. There's several verses in the scripture. One of my favorites is Amos 3, 7, which says, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. God does nothing without revealing it to us. So it's God wants us to, to draw us into his plan and purposes. He wants us to be participants in his purposes in prayer. And he, he's, prophetic ministry is one way of... It, prophetic prophecy is about foretelling the word of God. It's not about looking to the future somehow necessary. It's about saying, it's speaking forth God's word. And that gives us a perspective on how to pray. Um, and in that passage we just read, there's a whole thing about how we judge prophecy. And yeah, that all matters. But let's be a people that prophesy as we pray because it helps us understand God's agenda. Practically, stir yourselves, as we said a minute ago. Prophesy, speak it out. You can't prophesy in your head. You, it's speaking forth the word of God. And sometimes you need to pray it out. So maybe you just, I often find myself praying out something God has given me through the spirit. And it's just, a, we can pray prophetically. So as we come into corporate worship, let's be those that are prophetic. Uh, sixthly, tongues. Tongues matter. There was a little bit piece in the passage we just read. This is not the place for a full teaching on tongues. But let me just say three things about tongues as we come to pray. Tongues help each of us stir our spirits. The scripture talks about edifying ourselves through tongues. There's, a, there's a, something that tongues does good for me as I come to pray. It help, it's part of stirring my spirit to be ready to pray. Secondly, tongues help us when we don't know how to pray. The scripture talks about the spirit praying with us. There's something about the spirit helping us pray when we don't know how to pray. And tongues have a place in corporate gatherings too, as we all pray or sing in tongues collectively. And our experience is that those, those moments of corporate tongues actually have, they kind of breakthrough moments often in a prayer meeting. Stuff happens when we, when we do that. So tongues matter in our times of prayer. Uh, and lastly, there are times to wait. You know, there were times to wait in, in prayer meetings. There maybe there are sort of precious moments of adoration that God leads us into. It's a time of tenderness. Or maybe they're sort of pregnant moments when, of silence perhaps when God's waiting to do something and we just have to allow him to do what he wants to do. Or powerful moments when we need to prophesy and declare something that he's after. Um, silent moments, loud moments. Moments to receive and moments to pray. That's all part of the dynamic of a prayer meeting. So those are just seven you know, seven lessons I've learned over the last 25 years about corporate prayer. I'm sure there's a lot more to say. Um, and Helen is now going to take us on to a second point about praying. Where's Helen gone? What just, which mic do you want? Um, that one? Okay. Um, oh, brilliant. Okay. So I'm going to talk about praying with confidence. And... Um, Many of us have been in the situation here where the leader says, let's all get into small groups and pray. And how do you feel when that happens? Okay. 
think, oh, my goodness, I've got my friend here. What are they going to think? Or how do I disconnect these chairs and make them into a circle? Or how many people, again, was I supposed to get into groups of? And, but there's one particular occasion, and I've done it many times, but there's one particular occasion that I want to tell you about. It was about 10 or 12 years ago in this room, um, get into small groups or pairs, and I got paired up with somebody called Pat Barber. Now, if you know Pat Barber, <laughs> you consider yourself really lucky if you got paired up with her, because she was a great prayer. And she, she obviously knows me. She knows my family a little bit. But she doesn't know my family very much. And she started to pray about one of my children, who she didn't know at all. And she, when she finished... I thought, you just prayed everything I would have wanted to pray if I'd known how to say it. I wasn't expecting that to happen. It had a very significant impact on me because it was a difficult time for us at that time. It was something that I was praying about on my own at home, but actually having her pray it in that context, the impact was significantly different than me just praying on my own at home. And that is something that happens when we get together and pray with other people. Things happen that don't happen when we're on our own. Um, so the question I want to ask is, how did she pray with so much confidence and accuracy about something she didn't know anything about? And can I do the same thing? Um, and Confidence comes by knowing that you're hitting the target. Cue. <laughs> Picture. Is it coming? Oh, oh, sorry. I'm supposed to be doing that. Okay. I've got to hold, got to hold the mic. I can't do everything. You might be surprised to know this, but when I was younger, I used to play darts. In fact, I used to have my own set of darts. Um... I stopped when I became a Christian, and I became a Christian when I was 16, so this is my misspent youth. Um, so I used to go down to the Georgian Dragon with my darts, and through, I have to say, through fluke rather than skill, I used to sometimes hit the tri treble, treble 20, triple 20, treble 20, or the bullseye, um, but um, more often than not, the, the dart would miss the board completely or it would hit that wire thing and just bounce back and kind of land by your feet and it would be really embarrassing. And sometimes when we pray, we really feel like we're missing the target in that way, don't we? Like, here's the thing pinging off the wire and landing back by our feet and we just feel awkward and embarrassed. And this is just a very, very quick aside. You know what? God loves to hear us praying, even when we pray really clumsy, stupid, awkward prayers, primary school level. And I would rather pray a few of those prayers if it's going to make you feel more comfortable about praying. And sometimes, me, me and Graham have this habit of praying together last thing at night. Um, and sometimes I've prayed and then I say to Graham, oh, crumbs, that was rubbish, wasn't it? And he said, yeah, but it was great. And... <laughs> And sometimes he'll pray, and I think, yeah, that was a bit primary school, but great. Then I don't feel so stupid praying my primary school prayers. But having said that, there's something amazing about hitting the target. The thing is, 
in prayer, does it just happen through fluke? Or does it just happen through skill? Or is there a way of knowing that we're actually hitting the target? And I think there is, otherwise I wouldn't be saying it. (laughs) And this is what the Bible says. This is the verse I want to focus on. Should be coming up. Oh, look, it's down here as well. Great. Don't need to keep doing that. Okay, this is the confidence. Okay, this is our word. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, key thing, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. It's one of those where you have to think, uh, what are those connections again? So the connection is, if confidence comes through praying according to his will, how do we find out what his will is? Because I want that confidence. And I'm going to suggest there are two main ways of knowing his will, through the Holy Spirit, through his word, the Bible. So how did Pat Barber pray with such confidence about me? Basically, she'd heard something from the Holy Spirit, and that is what she prayed. So how do you rank yourself against Pat Barber? Maybe you don't know her. So we all have this praying kind of ranking table, but like the university kind of leagues. Up at the top, I've always put Reese Howells, if you know Reese Howells, or whoever the guy is. Pat Barber I would put up there, and then I would put myself somewhere a bit lower down, obviously. But in actual fact, we are all equal. In the fact that we are all weak, And none of us knows how we ought to pray. That's what it says in Romans 8 too. That's good news. But it's the Holy Spirit who knows how to pray. And crucially, we all have access to the same Holy Spirit. So we are all equal. We are all weak. We can't do it. We are all powerful. We have the Holy Spirit access. We can access the Holy Spirit. You know what? This verse in James is staggering. It says, Elijah was a man just like you, just like us. I think, no, he wasn't. (laughs) Wasn't anything like me at all, but that's what it says. Elijah was a man just like us, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain, and then he prayed again, and it did rain. Just the other day, I was praying for something I thought was really hard, and I said, oh, this prayer doesn't feel very powerful. And as soon as the thought came into my head, this verse came straight to me, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. God has made us righteous in Christ. Your prayers are powerful and effective, just like Elijah. So we all have access to the same Holy Spirit. This is the key for me, being filled with the Holy Spirit, living in the Holy Spirit day to day. The more time we spend getting to know him, growing in the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, the more we'll be able to do what Pat did for me and the more people will be encouraged and strengthened. The other way that we um, know the... um, what God wants. Sorry, I got slightly distracted by looking at the clock. Um, 
the word of God. Okay, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. So when we pray the word of God, it's a powerful thing. When we weave the word of God into what we're praying, it's not just our own words, but God's, and they have authority and power. So how do we come, become more confident in praying the word of God? Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In other words, read it. <laughs> Meditate on it. Study it. Memorize it. Then it will be stored up in you. And what's really exciting is when these two things are... Uh, are combined, the spirit and the word. So the Holy Spirit takes some of that word that's stored up in you and quickens it. So let me just tell you a couple of stories very quickly before I hand over to Graham. So just over the last few years, I've spent a lot more time praying. I've always been into reading the Bible, so I've loved reading the Bible, found prayer a bit more difficult. But over the last few years, I've had a bit of a breakthrough by spending more time praying in tongues. So giving myself a good chunk of time each day if I can to do that, you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes, something like that. And guess what's happened? (laughs) As I've been doing that, I've been seeing how to pray for things in a new way. And, or more recently, because I've been doing it for a while now, but sometimes these things, God wants you to persevere in them, and then you start to see a bit more fruit. God, the Holy Spirit has been dropping just bits of scripture into me. And as a result, surprise, surprise, I feel more confident that my prayer is going to be effective, and I'm much, much bolder in praying it. You might ask, why are you talking about that? That's about praying on your own. It's not praying in public. But who we are and what we do in private feeds and spills out into the public. So if we're people of the spirit and people of the word at home, we're going to be people of the word and people of the spirit when we get together. And we can be a blessing to people. I just want to say one thing very quickly, just as we were, just a quick demonstration actually, <laughs> as at the beginning of the meeting, there we were just having a bit of a pray, and I was just praying, um, I felt the Holy Spirit just put something into my heart for somebody this morning, and it's that bit in Genesis 4 where Cain has killed Abel, and God says, you will be a restless warrior, a wanderer. And that just phrase about being a a restless wanderer, if you feel like, I just feel like I'm not at rest in in this world. I don't feel at rest in my soul. I'm looking all over the world and I can't find my peace. And then this phrase as well that comes from um, St. Augustine, it says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. I think there's somebody this morning that God is saying, come to me, you will find your rest in me. You won't find it anywhere else, but you will find it in me. Oh, sorry, I just very quickly explain this. This is when the, when the word and the spirit come together. 
Yeah. <laughs> double, double bullseye. I love it when Helen speaks. I find out a little bit more about what it's like when I pray and what she actually thinks about what I'm praying. <laughs> I'm not incredibly clever. How long have we got? Okay. Um, just before I kick off, I just felt like God wanted to change the face of this church. God wants to change the way it looks. When, I, when you're standing here... God wants to change the way it looks. He wants more students, more different students from more places. He wants more people from Botley, more people from wherever. But he wants, to, he wants it to look different. He wants it to look bigger. He, wants it, he just wants to change the face of this place. And we're going away for a little while soon. Uh, <laughs> it's not quite that tricky to get there yet. Um, but I reckon it's going to be different when we come back and visit. So anyway... So, um, like Helen said, primary school is good for me, and um, I've always liked it when Jesus is really, really clear. And when the disciples come to him, or in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, pray like this. This is Matthew. By the way, I didn't do any PowerPoint, and one of the reasons is that I don't like doing them. But the other is that, <laughs> spookily, I was grout- I'm scraping the grout out of our bathroom floor. <laughs> Because we're trying to rent our house out, and um, it was all cracked. And it's a really gross job, actually. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Jesus, Jesus said, "Pray like this." Now, there's a clue. This is the Son of God made man. This is the greatest teacher that ever walked the earth. He says, "Pray like this." How did he start? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's a handy tip. So, Jesus, how did, Je- uh, what, how did Jesus start? Jesus started our Father. Our Father. Now, words, words can be tricky sometimes. And Father's a word that can be tricky for some people. But words mean different things to different people as well. So take dog, for example. Dog can be man's best friend. Yeah? Or dog can be... Our son received a, a card on his birthday once from a friend of his. And it says, don't worry, he isn't friendly. He only wants to bite. <laughs> Which is what it can feel sometimes when you go around to people's houses. You've got this dog all over you. It feels like it's going to cover you in saliva or, um, or whatever. And it feels like it might want to bite you. How, how you feel, feel about dogs when you hear the world could be totally different. And how you feel about fatherhood could be very, very different to what Jesus intended it to be like. And what Jesus wants fatherhood to mean for you. Because there is one father. Jesus came to reveal the father. And it was really exciting for me sitting down there hearing all these prophetic guys coming up talking about reconciliation and how God wanted us to be his friends and to be close to him again. Because when our view of something is different to God's view of something, it's a chance for us to change our minds. It's a chance for us to say, I used to think like this about fatherhood, but I can see that God wants me to think like this about fatherhood. God wants us close to him. 
God wants us near to him and experiencing his love and mercy. So I've got four things that are going to be really quick uh, from the Bible that tell us about the sort of father that God wants us to be. And the first one is a father that's good to all. Just going to read this scripture. Matthew 5.45 says, I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Now, this is our father is good to all, remember? He makes his son, he made it, he makes his son rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. You might have been good, you might not. God's still going to let you have sunshine and God's still going to let you have rain. God is good to all. Our father is good to all. A father, this is my second point, a father who longs for reconciliation. Luke 15, 20 to 24. I tell you what, if you're ever doing this, it's great to have lots of Bible verses because it's harder for people to argue with it. I will arise. So the prodigal said, I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. His father was looking for him. His father longed to be close to this son of his that was miles away eating pig food. God longs for reconciliation. God longs to be close to people. And he said it already this morning, saying it again. And you know what? I wrote all this stuff down, and then I realized that the older son got all fed up when, they, when the father decided to have a party because his son was home. So he was having a party, and the older God, the father God, went out to be reconciled to the older son that was out having a strop. That's what it says. You can read the story, Luke 15. It's great. God longs. That's the sort of father. So we've got a father that's good to everybody. A father that longs for reconciliation. Matthew 7, 9 to 11. A father who gives good gifts. A father who gives good gifts. Or which of you, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Do you know, that would be a really evil trick to play, wouldn't it? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Our Father loves to give good things. If you want, you want something good, ask your Father. He loves to do it. It's like Helen said, if it's in the Bible, you can ask for it, it's great. He's got different ideas of what I think is good sometimes, by the way. <laughs> I might like to be rich. He might like me to have enough for myself and to give away so that I'm not relying on my wealth or stuff like that. But he loves to give good gifts to each one of us. He loves it. He loves it. Luke eleven thirteen, which is still on the third point. I often get, uh, not criticized, I often get commented on my talk by, by Helen that my points are somewhat indistinct. So I keep on... So Luke eleven thirteen is the similar thing as uh, he's just talked about, but he says, "How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him?" God actually wants to give Himself to us. God wants to give Himself to us that we are that close to Him, that we're that aware of His love. In Romans, it talks about the Holy Spirit being the Spirit of adoption. 
the spirit that makes our spirits realize that he's our heavenly father and he cries, daddy, daddy. Because he loves us and he cares for us. And that's how we realize that our heavenly father is so, so different to any. I had a good dad. He's dead now. I had a good dad. But he's, even he, even he is nothing like as good as my heavenly father. Nothing like as good as my heavenly father. He's a good man, but he's not that good. Lastly, so we had a father who's good for all, a father who longs for reconciliation to be one with us. Father who gives good gifts, who gives himself, the Holy Spirit to us. And lastly, our father in heaven. Back to the start, the Lord's Prayer. Our father is in heaven. He's God, he's spirit. Steve spoke two weeks ago, three weeks ago about something. I thought it was brilliant when he talked about, it was that business about, um, do you know what? Sometimes you try and work out what's funny and you sort of, you try it and it's just not funny at all and everybody looks at you and you're thinking, you know, there goes my stand-up career. And other times you just do it without trying. It's amazing. So anyway, he spoke about relying on God's perspective, relying on spirit rather than material, trusting what God's uh, understanding of situations rather than rather than what we see and perceive and work out for ourselves essentially I thought it was really good when was it two weeks ago three weeks ago two weeks ago I think that'd be worth listening to I could probably do with listening to it again so I can summarize it a bit better as well <laughs> but if you weren't there it's worth listening to anyway our father in heaven our father in heaven God is supernatural and in sharing himself with us He wants us to be connected with the supernatural. He wants us to flow like him. He wants us to run like him. In John 3, I love the way Jesus does this. Um, Nicodemus comes into the room and says, I can see you're a great teacher. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you need to be born again. It's like, whoa, that's right across where he was coming from. And anyway, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. For the wind, now the wind can sometimes be, is the breath, which can also be in Aramaic, Hebrew, like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit blows where it wishes. The Holy Spirit does what he wants. He goes wherever he wants. He does whatever he wants. And being God, he can do whatever he wants, of course. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound and you do not know where it's come from or where it is going. So it is. Now, you know, I I grew up thinking, yeah, the Holy Spirit's like that. Isn't it wonderful? But that isn't what Jesus said. He said, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. God is our Father in heaven. And he wants us to have his family likeness. He wants us to be a bit like him. When God made Adam and Eve right at the start, he made them in his image. The serpent lied to them and said, you'll be like God, blah, 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 blah. But God had already made us like him. God's already made us to be spirit and flesh so that we can relate to him, so that we can enjoy times with him, so that we can have, you know, when God's looking for worshipers, he's looking for worshipers in spirit and in truth. And just like Helen said at the end of her bit um, about (laughs) my brain's gone. (laughs) It's all the grouting. It's all the grouting. It's all that stuff from the grouting. It's got into 
what we are at home is what as our, out of our relationship with God is what we can say and share and speak when we're together that will give us that sort of spirit and, and lifetime when we're together. Now, if you haven't spent time with God, it's all right. God's gracious. He's good to all. Do you want to give a prophetic word? Ask. Ask. We're going to have a time of worship now. I don't know how long we've got. About half an hour? Quarter of an hour. Ten minutes. Five minutes. Quarter of an hour. We've got about a quarter of an hour. And Josh is going to lead. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> We're going to stand up. We're going to engage. Let's, we'll, I'll pray, and then they'll sing a song. They'll lead us in a song. We'll join in. If you want to find a bit of space to move into, do. I find that helps sometimes. But what we want to do is to flow with God. We want to flow with the Holy Spirit. We want to be connected with our Father and let his love touch us and bless us and bless others through us. So I'll pray and then sort it. Smash it. Father God. Father God, we thank you that you are our heavenly Father. Thank you that however good or bad our earthly dads are or were, that you are the God that can redefine what fatherhood is and what your fatherhood is in our life. You are the one that has given us birth. You are the one who has a purpose in us being here. You are the one that wants us close to himself to know your love and your grace and your mercy, to pour out good gifts upon us, to give your life and your Holy Spirit too. You are the one. We thank you. We pray that you'd help us now by your Holy Spirit to worship you together, to praise you together, and to pray to you together. So after we've sung this song, you might find that um, a phrase or something drops into your mind. Just get ready to pray it out, to pray out to God. Do all the stuff that Andy said about listening to others and all that sort of stuff as well. But um, let's flow. And I'll be hanging around here with Dan as well so that you can talk to us if you need to. Thanks.